0: Hi hey friends and welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host Jamie and today is a fun show because it's a real life friend of mine. I have a lot of people on my show that I've never met before. I have a lot of people on my show that I have acquaintances with and then I get to have people on my show that I do life with and today on the show Ann Boscamp is joining me and Ann and I have been friends for a while um, for many years. But our friendship has grown so deeply in this past year that it was a joy to chat with her. And I I tell her at the beginning, I tried to try real hard not to just sit and just talk to Anne uh, and really think about you as a listener. But I want to tell you this. Anne released a book a couple weeks ago. It's called Waymaker, Finding the Way to the Life You've Always Dreamed of. And I read this entire book and cried through many parts of it. And I, I think it's going to be one of the best books I've read all year. It's an important book. It's a vulnerable book, um, Anne's going first, and she is talking about what it looks like and feels like to hit bottom and know that God has been there with her the whole time. You're going to love it. And today our conversation is just so great. We talk about suffering and pain and, and really trusting that God is with us. Uh, Anne is one of my favorite uh, authors and, and she's a prolific writer. And so you're going to love this conversation today. If you can't get enough of Anne Voskamp on the happy hour, the other time she was on, it was in November of 2016. It's episode number 116 and today's episode 481. I can't believe it. Speaking of 481, the episode today is the last episode of March. Yes, we have taken another month down. We have made it. We are here on the other side of March. And the first I want to say happy birthday to my brother, Uh, His birthday is tomorrow and his beautiful wife had a birthday about a week ago. So this is a a month of birthdays in our family. Happy birthday, Jordan and Kristen. You guys, I would love it if you would subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, uh, if you're a Spotify listener, wherever it is, just click that subscribe button. What that does is every single week we release two shows. And so you'll always get a notification when a new show comes out. We have some great conversations coming up, including a special series around children's books. You guys know I released my my kids' book last October. And since then, I just have this really big love for kids' books, and I've always loved kids' books, but I have kids that are older now, so I'm not actually buying a bunch of uh, board books and kids' book anymore. But after writing it, it just has renewed this love in me for kids' books. So we have a special series around children's books coming up. We have Easter coming up, and then we have a pair of talented musician siblings. Any guesses on who that might be? I'd love to hear who you think it might be. But today, my friend Ann Voskamp is here, and you're going to really, really be encouraged and challenged through our conversation today. Here's my friend Ann. Uh, Ann Voskamp, welcome back to the Happy Hour.
1: Oh, always so good to be with you, Jamie Ivy.
0: Okay, well, I just want to set the stage a little bit. Is last time you were on one of the minute I say this, you're going to think of the massive amount of life you've gone through. The last time you were on this show, Ann, it was November of 2016. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. How is that possible? I mean, it was a long time ago. And I will say that when you came on, I didn't know you the way that I know you now. And I just want to say publicly, you're one of my most favorite people in the entire world.
1: I was so looking forward to talking to you. It's like talking to like the closest of sisters. I adore you, Jamie. Ivy. Mm.
0: So you're a sweet friend. And, you know, a, a lot of people that come on here, I don't know. Um, and in fact, I would have said when you came on the first time, I didn't really even know you hardly. Oh, um, But when I get a chance to sit down with like a real life friend, I'll tell you what's hard about it for me is I try to put on my professional hat. I did this the other day when I interviewed Jenny and I'm like, I got to put on my professional hat and I got to talk about what we're supposed to talk about. But all I want to, want to talk about is like, Hey, tell me how's the farm. How are your kids? Like, I just want an update on your life. But We'll save that for when we're not recording. (laughs) Totally. I do want to tell you this. Currently when we're recording, it is, let's see, the show's airing on March 30th. Today's March 9th. All right. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and it is so cold here. I don't know how you live this life. Tell me how you survive the cold.
1: It's true lots of times I say like what I really love it before Christmas I love that the snow falls and it feels cozy and then I hit like the end of January the beginning of February I'm like why do we live here it is so <laughs> cold like when I go out to feed the sheep my hands burn with cold like it's just it's frigid but my husband always says and we live here because you don't like snakes so Jamie Ivy braves sinks and I live with snow so that's, that.
0: well, that's That's a good thing. And I have seen many <laughs> snakes where I live, but I do have this. When does it stop being cold? May? We can plant
1: by the middle of April. So, and we need soil temperature to be okay. So by the middle of April, the end of April we. I mean, you can have snow though in the air. I mean, I've seen snow in the air here at the beginning of June.
0: Oh my gracious, alive.
1: But generally speaking, generally speaking, by the middle of May, like the sun today is like a warm sun. Like the snow is melting. Like I said today in the kitchen, like I think spring is coming. So like we're we're in the right direction here.
0: I love that. Um, Well, I want you to introduce yourself because some people may not know who you are and why you're. Why you're mentioning planting? Because you're married to a farmer. So introduce <laughs> yes. introduce yourself and your family to everyone on the. Yeah.
1: Hour. Okay. So um, we live about an hour and a half from Toronto in Canada. I am married to one very fine farmer. Uh, I grew up about 15 minutes away from him. We were born in the same hospital, in the same room, delivered by the same doctor, and our kids been born in the same hospital room. Right? <laughs> so I will be live born and born live and die in the same place. Um, and we have seven kids, uh, four boys and three girls. That range in age from 26 down to seven. So we have like seven kids that stretch about
0: 20 years. So it's a wild, crazy life, Jamie Ivy. Listen, um, I got to meet your kids. Uh, I think I've met almost all of your kids and they are just lovely little boss camps. Um, <laughs> and it was a joy to meet them. Now, I want to dive into this because I'm really excited about having this conversation with you for a couple of reasons. Number one, as a friend of yours, as I read your book, I Have heard parts of your story come from like the deepest parts of your soul. And Mm -hmm. I have sat and listened to you weep over things um, in your story. Mm -hmm. I also get this beautiful front row seat to see you live the words that you're writing. And I think that is really special when you read someone's words and you say, okay, that's good but then you know them and you say, they've actually walked this road. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as your friend, I see that, but I think a big question that a lot of people are asking, and I didn't realize it had been this long because it's been five years since your last book came out and you were one of the most beautiful writers I've ever read. I mean, I get your newsletter, so I read you every week. Um, why five years?
1: I think, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I have to live the story that I'm actually writing. That takes time. I don't think anything that produces really good fruit, you can force that fast. Um, So yes, number one, you're going to have to live a story out and you're going to need a little bit of time and distance from that story to understand the parts and pieces of that story. And then number two, There were parts and pieces of the story that I didn't know if I was brave enough to tell. And I wrote the book once and thought I was done. And the Lord said, no, there's more to this story. You need to tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back and I had to start over again and tell the most vulnerable parts of the story. The story, parts of the story that I was actually, I have it on the while in the little writing cabin, always write in a way that makes you feel a little bit afraid. And I didn't do that, Jamie. I wrote in a way that made me feel terrified. <laughs> uh. I am writing the most, yeah. I hugged my husband in the kitchen this morning and said, like, I'm terrified. Like, this is this where I'm a week away from this book being out in the world. And I'm telling a story that, like, are we ready for that story to all be told? And we are. Because we have time and space and distance from it. We are in a healthy, strong, solid, rooted in Jesus place. But yeah, it takes time to live a story. And then it takes, for me, it took time and courage to go back and say, don't write part of the story. Write the whole honest to goodness truth of the whole story. And honestly, Jimmy, God can only get the glory when I tell the whole story, like where he met us in all of the broken places and how I put it all together. And how he, where there seemed to be no ways, what does it look like to find the way himself and live a life of deep congruity and integrity that that we're walking in the way himself and he is the way through. So yes, it tells a really uh, painful, intimate, vulnerable story of our marriage. And it tells a really, which has a lot to do with my own, Turns and sins and brokenness and bad choices, and the suffering that resulted because of that. Mm. And it also tells the story of literal open heart surgeries and my own heart failure, both physically and metaphorically. So we're dealing with suffering from my own choices and then suffering that happens because it's God's story. And how do we deal with suffering, full stop, either way?
0: you did a beautiful job and I've heard you say what you just said before when talking about the book. And I, and I heard you say that before I had read it. And so I got my hands on it and read it early. And when I want to say to you, I would tell you this privately, but I'd like to say it publicly. When you talked about um, you and Daryl's marriage and things Mm -hmm. you walked through at maybe a high result of just two people completely Missing each other and maybe one person really pulling away. I saw myself in your story. Mm. And two things happened when I read it. Number one, I felt less alone. Yeah. And number two, I saw the way you say this. When we move our way towards self-focus slowly enough, it masquerades as healthy normalcy. And I read that line and I wrote it down. And I, I prayed, God, I don't want this to feel healthy. And so you did a beautiful job, and I'm proud of you, Anne. Um, I want to ask you about a couple things. Are you ready? Yeah, you just mentioned suffering. Yeah, you start this book in chapter one. you said, by the lie that your life is supposed to be heaven on earth, and suffering can be a torturous hell. Mm-hmm. 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 We find ourselves in a context right now of a lot of suffering, whether that be marriages or children or a global pandemic or a, a war on the other side of the world that could very much likely affect us in North America um, in more ways than just high gas prices. Um, and I had a moment, we were together last weekend, you and I personally, and a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, was there. And she was talking to me about the, what's happening right now in Ukraine. And she said a couple of things that really kind of put fear in me. And I read your book and I wrote that line down. And I thought, Jamie, have you somehow bought into a lie? that life is supposed to be not hard. And so I want to hear from you, like you've Mm -hmm. had a lot of hard things happen in your life. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, how Mm -hmm. do you bridge the gap between understanding those things and God is so good and and God is here for you. And Mm -hmm. that's a five day conference that we could just put on by answering that question. But what does that look like for you even currently right now?
1: I think, I think you're not alone, Jamie, we all buy the lie. I mean, honestly, that's the narrative that the culture around us sells. You, you buy this, you consume this, you do this, and your life should be really good. I mean, th- that's how consumerism works. Yeah. <laughs> so we really think that if I, if I do everything right, I should find this right way through of ease mm. and easy way, empty life, hard way, narrow way fulfilling life that, that that's that's not what anybody's selling no. <laughs> but that's jesus way and i really believed a lie and i have to fight it all of the time in my own head that the way of jesus doesn't involve the via doloroso that doesn't involve the way of suffering Whereas if you're on Jesus' way, God takes us into Gethsemane's, literally, the place of the oil press where where the weight of the world presses down on you. And we are crushed and pressed out to anoint the feet of Jesus with a love that says, even if he doesn't give us our dreams, even if not being with him is enough. Christ is the better, best thing, the only way through. And you can't somehow I believe the lie that you could get to You could get to Sunday mornings, you could get to resurrections, you could get to empty tombs and hallelujah without having to pass through Gethsemane and Calvary. Uh, You don't get the way of Jesus, the way of resurrection, the way of redemption and freedom and emancipation without having to pick up a cross. And and I confess, Jamie, I thought there was a way to do this without having to pick up a cross.
0: I think we all want that way. Like Our flesh is like, can it be this way? Um, yeah. But yet, that then again, we all are living lives that are full of hurt and like full of yeah. suffering and full of yeah. brokenness. Yeah. And so, as I was even thinking about talking to you today, I was like, "Man, I hear you say this, and I know that st- your story is full of brokenness. I hear myself say it, and I know my story is full of brokenness. And yet, we still think that there's a different way that doesn't involve brokenness."
1: always. And we think, and we all feel alone in our own broken ways. We all right. feel alone. My story, my story is the messed up one that I have to wear this mask and pretend that it's not because everybody else has an nice filter and is looking really good on the Instagram stream. And, and and I'm the only one, but that's, that's the hiss right from the garden of Eden. You're the only one that, that, that God doesn't want anything good for you that he's trying to withhold something good from you. So I think it, I think it shatters the lie of the enemy of our souls when we, when we speak Our brokenness and our suffering, whether it's suffering in our stories that we didn't do anything to create that suffering, or suffering in my own story, suffering that I actually created the suffering. We have to Mm. speak those things out loud. And and that's when God gets the glory because we get to say, look, I was at the bottom of this pit. There was tons of suffering. And how does God actually meet us in this? Not in a cliche, Christianese, shallow veneer kind of way, but actually when you are literally at the bottom of the pit god's hands don't reach down to pull you up out of the bottom of the pit you find out that his hands are actually underneath of you holding you and mm-hmm. he will be the one that lifts you out of it and i think i think you know those hard roads jamie those hard roads expose our idols mm-hmm. they expose w- what we want for comfort as opposed to using those hard roads to say you know what it's it's I speak of it in Waymaker. So much of our lives, we have these EPS systems, these expectational positioning systems. That like I expect to be here by now. I expect to be on a road that doesn't involve war in the world. I expect uh-huh. to be on a road where my teenagers look like this and my marriage looks like this. That EPS system. How are you going to, to? Which involves a whole lot of comparison. Which involves measuring sticks, and and use that expectational positioning system to say, I'm not trying to get to a place somewhere. Peace isn't a place. Peace is a person. Mm. The only distance I need to be is not ahead of somebody else or so much further down the road than I thought I would be. The only distance I need to be constantly looking at is what is the distance between me and the way himself? Mm. Everything is about location, location, location. So where is my soul in relation to him? If I say I have a relationship with Jesus, I have to be constantly locating my soul in relation to him. And that's really what Waymaker is about, having a way of life. It is constantly locating your soul in relationship to God, because he himself is the only way through.
0: I think that when I finish your book, I, I, I summed it up in my head as like, hmm. there is suffering that is deep in this world, and there's no way around it. Like, like you say, there's <laughs> no way saying, around it. There's no way around it. You said you can't control the way the wind blows. You can't control the way the currents run. You can't control the way of waves. There's tender mystery in God's ways. Lovers fail to love. People disappoint. Plans implode. Bodies struggle. Expectations go awry. Pain is all encompassing and none of us are immune. So I I left your book going, okay, pain and struggling and suffering. It is a part of our life. It is here to stay. It was from the beginning. And yet we are known and we are chosen and we are seen and we are loved By God himself. And because of that, like you said, there is a way through. There is a way. Is it through or in or there's a way through this.
1: There is a way through when we stay in the way himself Mm. and about keeping company. So I mean, we're currently saying he's not showing me the way through. He's showing us himself. How are you? What is your rhythm of life, your cadence of life, your pace of life that is keeping you in the way himself? You need a habit of life, which is that's that's the spine, the core that holds all of Waymate, the book together. Is what is my new way of life that lets me have a new way of being that keeps me in the way himself? So, regardless of what obstacles I encounter, regardless of what is in the way. What is in the way is making the way for me to live in the way himself so that it strips off my idols. It strips off the the things. My default is to turn towards numbing and escaping and consumerism and all kinds of other turns to try to comfort myself instead of turning towards the way himself. and, And to ultimately realize that the detours themselves, the detours are the way dreams and destinies actually come true. Do we believe that we don't Mm -hmm. lots of times we think, well, this is a detour. This, this isn't the way this is supposed to go, but in the way of Christ himself, the detours are the way to the dreams and the destinies. Mm -hmm. He's using all of these things to as painfully as it, as painful as it can be to strip away what our natural default is, where we want to turn and turn us towards himself. And now I see, you know what, Jamie, it really is about. What is my intentionality towards staying in the way himself? That doesn't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. And when in my own life, when I thought um, I thought I was walking in the way of Jesus, my turns, inch by inch by inch, were taking me somewhere that led to a pit of addictions and darkness that led me far away from the way Himself and the way I wanted, the way I was dreaming my life was going to turn out. And now, what does it look like to have a way of life? That keeps me in the way. So, no matter what kind of
0: crisis or obstacle I hit,
1: I am so safe in Jesus.
0: It's so good, and I think that we had this idea of like, oh, I would have to make some big, big leap to get off the way. And you use the example in the book, and I was actually reading it on a plane, so I, it was a very <laughs> yeah, real, you tangible are. It, example it, to me. It's from James Clear. I talk about from Atomic Habits, and he's
1: talking on a plane. Go ahead, Jamie.
0: Well, you say like a plane takes off from L.A. heading to New York, and just one small very small getting off of it. And you end up, you know, in Toronto, maybe instead of Washington, Toronto, not in New York at all. It's just one
1: degree every day. And it's exactly that quote you used at the very beginning, Jamie, that like we it's it looks like normalcy one little inch at a time. It doesn't look like it's a big deal until you wake up one morning like, oh, my gosh, how did I ever end up in this desert that I never would have imagined in a million years I would end up? And so every, really all of life, everything that we're doing, every step that we take, everything is formational. Everything is forming us more like Jesus or more not like Jesus. Mm. Everything that we turn to on Facebook or Instagram, whatever we pick up, it is forming and shaping our way. And I allowed that to happen in ways I didn't realize, Jamie, until I just about blew up my life. And you're right we, we saw each other not a couple of days ago and on that trip on my flight out i thought no i'm making room and my i i checked a bag because i'm flying with my study bible and i'm flying with all of my journals and and we we get up every morning and we start the way the same way we do it we do it at home we start with the word and opening up journals and starting to excavate and locate my soul in relation to his because i am not going to inch my way away from the way himself and I think lots of times we think we're walking in the way till we hit a crisis and we hit an obstacle and big time suffering happens in our life and we don't have the tools to stay in the way himself because we haven't been practicing it day in and day out.
0: Yeah, and I think what's important about that uh, you say in here as well. You say unless you commit ahead of time to what you will believe about God, circumstances will dictate what you should believe about God's heart. And and when you say like, okay, so if we're not prepared, we're going to hit some kind of circumstance. And for those of you that are listening. Like, I don't want to be the one to break it to you, but you're going to have pain and suffering if you're not in it right now. And so it's coming. And so how do we prepare for that? I want to go here with you, Anne, and I want to ask you, th- there's, you got, you guys got to get this book. I told Anne before we started, I cried on the airplane reading it today. Um, but I want to hear from you because I think a lot of people are going to go, okay, well, I might be at the bottom of that pit. Like I'm listening I know. I know. and I feel like you know. I'm at the bottom. And I think that's great that Anne said, God's hands are there with me. Okay. That's great. How do I get out of this pit? And and for you, you talk about like hitting this rock bottom. I did. I hit rock. I mean, literally, I was
1: in a country hospital version of ICU in heart failure with my life flashing before me. And I I had double pneumonia because my heart was failing and my lungs were filling up with fluid. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. I was having panic attacks with my life flashing before me because I was at a bottom of a pit and I had lots of ways I had wrecked my life. Um, So the person at the bottom of the pit, I could say a lot of words right now, but what I really want to do is I want to grab your hand and say, you are not alone in that pit. If I could hold you right now, I'd hold you, but I know right now you are in Jesus' arms and he is holding you. You are not alone. And I think what's really important, I didn't start to move out of my pit until I started to open my mouth and tell somebody that I was at the bottom of a pit. Mm. I needed to. I needed to be honest with Jesus about where I really was at. This is where I'm at, Lord. Um, the the spiritual discipline that's the the spine of Waymaker is sacred which the S stands for stillness. I needed to be still. And we don't, we don't, we hate stillness. Mm -hmm. Keep the noise going. Keep the screens going. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Because if we're still, we're going to have to say, this is where my soul really is. And so when the Lord takes me and puts me flat on my back in a hospital room in heart failure and I can't breathe, I had to be still and I had to face what, what the pit that I was in. So be still and know that I'm the Lord. Be still and let the Lord do the battle. So the first thing I can say to you at the bottom of the pit, you don't have to keep trying to, claw your way out of the pit, be still. And just that stillness is, um, it's an act of trust in the Lord. I'm just going to open my hands right now and say, this is where I really am. Um, And then the A of that sacred way of life, stillness, S A attentiveness. Who do you say that I am? Where am I coming from? Where am I going to? What do I really want? Are the three questions I asked myself. I don't think you can um, you can get out of the pit until you start to be really honest with God, raw, honest with God about where you're at, where you've been coming from, where you want to go to, and what you really want. Lots of times you realize when you say what you really want, you realize your heart's been a bit of, is it Martin Luther who says it, a bit of an idol factory? maybe it's Calvin who says, an idol factory. And I saw that there were real idols in my life um, that I had to slay and cut down. And then the. The sea of a sacred way of life is cruciformity. How do I live cruciform in my life? And honestly, Jamie, I mean, (laughs) you and I have done a bit of life together this year. My natural posture is to keep my arms in front of my chest. I'm going to guard myself. I'm going to live guarded. I'm only going to let you in so much. Um, But to live a cruciform life means I'm going to open up with arms outstretched, both to God and to somebody else. Mm. That's a posture of vulnerability. And we don't get to the life we've always dreamed of apart from vulnerability because vulnerability is what leads us into intimacy. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be brave enough to be vulnerable with God and with one other person because lots of times the (laughs) way Satan keeps us in a pit of isolation or desolation through isolation, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to reach out to somebody and tell them. And I write about it in Waymaker there in that hospital room. And I had to call my husband and say, like, I need you to come. And I need to put words to where I'm at. And what I, the story, the narrative I've been saying in my own head, because lots of times the pit is a narrative. That's not true, Yeah, but as long as the enemy of our soul can keep us isolated. So we don't speak it out loud to somebody. So if you're in a pit right now, can you be still, can you start to locate your soul and be honest about where you're really at? Then what does it look like to live cruciform? Reach out to God and tell him that's exactly where you're at. And can you find one other safe person Mm -hmm. that you are going to build trust with and have a bit of history with who is in your corner? Every life needs lifers. People who have their back and aren't leaving the room um, and start to say the story out loud. Because I think it's Matt Chandler who says, devil only dances in the dark. So go ahead and start to say the things out loud. Um, And then the R of um, the sacred revelation If you say you want a way through, you want God to reveal a way through, don't walk into the day without a fresh revelation from God's word for you today. That means you're going to have to get in his word and let his word actually start to reveal the way to you. Sit with scripture long enough every morning that you have a fresh revelation of God's heart for you. Write that down on a piece of paper and carry it with you. Examine Sacred. The E of examine is um examine your own heart to see what you're afraid of. I realized in my own life, Jamie. Fear motivated me all of the mm-hmm. time. I was being driven by fears and driven in the wrong direction. Um, there's no small reason why. Do not be afraid or do not fear is like I said what 360 yeah. so- sometimes mm-hmm. in scripture. So what are you really afraid of? Because lots of times our suffering is related to we are afraid of losing that which we love, wow. that we're holding on to too tightly. So, what am I really afraid of? And then I the D of sacred, to have a sacred way of life that keeps you on the way, himself is always doxology. Don't ever go into the day without what, always, always, always something to be thankful for. Even when you're at the bottom of the pit, there is something to be thankful for. And when you start to count, the things that you're grateful for, you start to realize you can count on God to keep showing up with grace upon grace upon grace. Mm-hmm. So for me, that sacred way of life keeps me in the way himself so that we we need we need to get through. We need spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, a way of walking that keeps us in the way. So when the obstacles, they're going to come, mm-hmm. the obstacles and the roadblocks come, do you have a way of life that keeps you in the way because he is the only way through.
0: Mm. You know, I think it's interesting that I think right now I, I heard a study by Barner recently about how many Christians, self-professing Christians, actually read their Bible,
1: mm.
0: and it wasn't very good. Uh, it wasn't a very good uh, statistic, and I think like there's this kind of cultural Christianity that honestly doesn't exist many places other than North America, and mm. Mm. Um, and it, I don't think it, it won't sustain what Mm -hmm. is to come, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there is this kind of hope of someone who is in the pit to kind of go and look at, do I believe all of these things? Like, like I know when you're down in the pit, it does feel lonely, obviously, and it does feel scary, but there is this opportunity to go, man, I really do believe you, God. I really do trust you. And how you kind of leaned into that. And and when you mentioned in the book, calling Daryl to come up to the hospital, I just I had to just stop and cry. I mean, because I felt your, your moment of, this is kind of where I surrender.
1: I'm at the end. I'm you're at, at the, the end. end. I'm at the end of myself. When you're at the bottom of the pit, you get to the end of yourself. And when you're at the end of yourself, you begin to finally touch the depths of God. You begin to say, Mm. I believe that Jesus is my rock bottom and I'm going to turn here. And I I think, you know, it's really, I believe to lie, Jamie, that repentance is turn. I believe the the art of life, life turns on the turn. Where are you going to turn when you hit the obstacle? Where are you going to turn when you hit the crisis? Where are you going to turn when you want comfort? Everything turns on the turn. Um, And I think, you know, I, uh, repentance, we, we know, is like to turn around, make a U-turn. But I mm-hmm. thought I thought that meant, that meant I need to go all the way back. It was up to me to pull myself up by my bootstraps and make the, the trek all the way back to God. Somehow, mm. I'm a prodigal in the far-off-distance country, and now I've got to... But actually, that prodigal, I, I write about it in Waymaker. It was such... Actually, it's the, that I'm in the hospital on my bed and heart failure chapter. Um, I thought I had to make the whole way back. We think the prodigal makes the whole way back. Even when the prodigal is coming all the way back, he's still coming back. I will earn my way. He's still pulling himself up by his bootstrap. He doesn't really surrender. Till the father runs. The the way maker father runs the whole long way, kisses his cheek, says that he brings him back, kill the, the fatted calf and have a feast. Only then does he actually surrender. That turn God's not asking us to come all the way back. He's asking us to stop resisting. All he's going to do is just touch our chin, lift our head, and turn just to face his eyes. He comes the whole long ways. When you're in the bottom of the pit, you don't have to get yourself out of the pit. All you have to do is turn your eyes upon Jesus. That is enough. For me, just making sure every day I open up my word, wait for a fresh revelation of God that's for me, hold on to it like it's my lifetime. God is the Word. He never stops communicating. He is a communicative God. You're at the bottom of the pit. Open up the Word. He has a word for you in the bottom. He's holding on to you, and He won't let you go. You don't know what the road ahead of you holds, but when Jesus is your way, Jesus is your road. You know that the road will hold.
0: Mm. You said when you talked about um, examine. Yeah. You said you were fearful of a lot of things. Yeah. And I think I know you mentioned something in the book that you were kind of fearful of being too much. What Mm -hmm. else was it for you? Yes, you're right, Jamie. So much of it was, I was afraid I was too much. I heard
1: my husband say that I was too much. So I'm like, if you think I'm just too much, I'm just going to gather myself up here. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to live not cruciform with my arms stretched out. I'm going to live totally protected. I I got me. I can take care of myself. I'm not going to be needy. I'm just going to make myself real, real small and invisible here. I handled that really well.
0: Right. (laughs) How'd that work out for you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But as I talk about in the book, also, um, trauma from our family of origin causes us to hear things a certain way. So for me, um, my first memory, I write about it 1,000 gifts, my first memory is seeing my sister killed in front of me. The world was a terrifying, I mean, horrific, unimaginable things can happen right in front of you. Um, The world for me was a terrifying place where if I took up too much space in the world, something horrific could happen to me. Um, I couldn't trust people. I mean, when things like, my sister was killed, my mother ended up in psych wards for three and four months at a time. The world was a terrifying place where if you stayed really, really small, um, maybe nothing bad would happen to you at all. And so when my husband says, "Ah, oh, this is all too much, this is all too much, I hear I'm too much and I'll just hightail it out of here. So I think we, we have to realize that in our, in our relationships, We are hearing through the lens of our own trauma Mm. and our own past. And if we don't speak those narratives out loud, this is what I'm hearing. The enemy of our soul can use it. Oh, did you hear what they really said? They Mm. really said. And that hiss in your ear can cause you to turn in a direction that leads you in a way right straight to a pit.
0: I think in the past two years, if you were to ask me, what are the things you've learned most about marriage and marriage for Aaron and I year 20 was super, super hard. Uh, I I would have a couple of things, but on that list, one of them would be that what you just said is that conversation between Aaron and I, when I go, okay, this is what I think you, this is what I heard you say and him go, Oh no, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. And you're right. We hear it through this lens that we've created because it keeps us safe. It helps keep us safe. And so that's the bottom line. We're doing whatever we need to do to try to keep ourselves safe. And so that means we hear distortedly. Completely.
1: And it's wild to me. You look at the Israelites.
0: They follow
1: a, a cloud of fire across a sea, parted, get themselves. I mean, if you... We all say we want a sign. If that isn't a clear sign, I don't know what a clear, like God is taking care of us. They get themselves into the promised land. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. And what do they do? Well, we've been abandoned. We'll have to take care of ourselves here. Here are my earrings and my bracelets. Let's make ourselves a calf to take care of ourselves. We'll bow down here. And we look at that. We, we laugh. We go, how could they be so stupid? Like, couldn't they trust that God was going to take care of them? Jamie, like, I don't trust that God's going to take care of me. I got to take care of myself to make myself safe. I don't trust that the way himself will lead me on ways to keep myself safe. So I turn in all these directions towards addictions and comfort that, that are alive from the pit Mm -hmm. because I think I have to take care of myself to make myself safe. And I think underneath those fears that we all have are trust issues. Can I trust you, Lord, that your ways are safe? Mm -hmm. My kids are facing diagnoses and heart surgeries, when my marriage, when I feel alone and abandoned and forsaken in my marriage, this is a way that's going to make me safe. How do I stay in Jesus so I know that I am soul safe regardless of circumstances?
0: Mm. You write in this book about Ellie Holcomb's song, Red Sea Road. We don't have time to talk about it, but I'm telling you I was blown away by that. And I think we're just going to leave a little, little egg here for the listener. Like you've got to read the book. And if, you, if you've never heard that song, by you got to go listen to it as well. But I literally wrote in my notes and I said, Red Sea Road. And then it said WTH. Like, what the heck? You know, like, how, how is this even a thing? It was the craziest thing. But you
1: ever. know what? It's, it felt like a miracle. Like it was like, whoa, like God shows up, boom. And for, for Daryl, hearing that, I mean, I won't give it all away because it is.
0: Like you have to miracle. read it. I know. Yeah. It was a
1: miracle in real time. But once you've encountered God, once you know that you know that you know you've experienced God, you can stay on the way because you can trust Him. He's revealed His heart to you, He's shown Himself for you. So in that particular moment when God so miraculously revealed Himself to us, we had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle on the way still. But to trust that the obstacle is the miracle, it'll turn us. And direct us back towards God Himself. That what is in the way is making the way for us to lean more into the way Himself, so that you don't you don't shirk back. I know that God told us that this is the way to go. There will be detours, and we'll keep turning towards Him. But we will keep moving forward because God revealed Himself to us. So I really believe the Word still communicates. He still there are still miracles to be had if we have eyes to ear
0: eyes to see and ears to hear. But yeah, Jamie, that was crazy crazy, right? Like, oh my gosh. This is crazy, crazy. Crazy. Um, I want to ask you this because in the end you, you talk about that moment, in the hospital and calling Daryl, but then I really uh, loved it because I think a lot of people are practical people and you listed out some things that you have practically done to help yourself. Yeah. And you talked a lot about it now with like being in the word and I'm going to do that every day, no matter if I'm yeah. on the road or what, but what are some other things that you have found super helpful for you? I think for
1: me, picking up a pen and choosing to journal. I think lots of times people say, I don't know. I don't have I don't have the the resources for therapy. I can't be in therapy every day. Honestly, excavating your own soul in a journal every day with like the sacred way of life that is actually giving you questions to ask your own soul is the kind of therapy that happens every single day. I um, I think being in community, I think when you go ahead and you speak the words out loud, Waymaker, the book itself, is really talking about who are you turning towards? We need attachment with God and attachment with people. So you need to look at your life and you say, who am I turning towards that can keep me in the way? Who am I attaching to? In healthy ways, they're going to grow me more like Jesus. I mean, you and I have both been on this journey in the last year, but how if trauma and pain happens in community it helps the healing and the hope also happens in community so how am i my way of life has a rhythm and a practice that keeps me attached to community we've just come out of a global pandemic where we feel profoundly isolated mm-hmm. and alone and we've gotten into rhythms that keep us isolated and alone so yeah. what does it look like to get yourself back in community with people stress Actually, is held in our body, and the way I say it is, you have to keep moving to move the stress through. So, I think lots of times we run into stressful situations, we hit that roadblock, we hit that no way. It actually feels like slamming our body up against something. We feel that stress in our body. What are you going to do? You have to move to. So, it can some there's seasons for me. It's been like how many steps am I going to walk today? Because I got to walk this out. I have a practice of a daily. I, the Japanese call it forest bathing. And I call it a glory soak. The whole world is full of his glory. I need to get outside and I need to soak in God's glory. Um, Actually, all kinds of secular research says that the greenery of being out in trees actually heals our brains. So especially um, my dad was killed this past spring, and I really believe the green was part of healing my grief. So do you have a rhythm that gets you outside? So you're actually moving the stress through. What does that look like in your life? For me, that it also meant really practical. Do I have a spiritual director? Do I have a therapist? Um, For me, it actually looked like I went back to school to get my master's at Wheaton because I wanted to be reading good, theologically deep, rich texts to go ahead. Like we said, Jamie, everything is formational. Everything is forming the way that you're on. So it's going to require some intentionality. If you're at the bottom of a pit, yes, you need to Stop resisting Jesus. Let him turn your eyes upon him. And then what is your agency? What are the things that you can go ahead and control and start chart a new way forward? The the line of your book right now, you may think there's no way forward. I've wrecked the story. No, as long as you're alive, you still have a pen in your hand. You still get to write a new line with the word himself, and you get to write new good chapters into your story even when you've got chapters that you really wish you could rip out and do over, you don't get do overs, but you do get to keep writing on.
0: I love that. You get to keep writing on because we can't go back you can't. and change the trauma. You can't no. go back, go back to your four-year-old self when your when your sister was, you know, no. run over by a truck, you can't go back to your dad. No. You can't go back and redo these things.
1: No, you can't control the way of waves, but you can control the way of your sail.
0: Uh-huh. So how are
1: you going to turn your sail towards the Holy spirit wind to move in another direction?
0: So good. Um, I am already calling it that this book will be one of my top 10 books this year. I'm going to let you know that. Oh, and we're good. only in March. <laughs> <laughs> I have two books. I think that I've that's, already called That's <laughs> no small thing coming from Miss Jamie Ivy herself, girl. You are a bell reader. I do read a lot of books and I... Um, I hope it's not because I love you so dearly. Um, But I I wasn't lying when I say I've heard parts of this come out of you this fall. And I see you doing the hard, hard work of putting your sail in the right direction.
1: I did. For a long time, Jamie, I did not. For a long time, I tried to take care of myself. And it led to destruction self-preservation leads to destruction. And I want to live with my hands open to what God gives me and keep turning his way because he intimacy with him is the dream come true. I just about blew it all up, Jamie.
0: Well, I'm grateful that you did it because here we have
1: you. And the goodness. And honestly, Jamie, I don't believe anymore that God is just good. He's loving kindness. Uh He is a kind, kind Abba. Even when something hurts and the way seems all wrong, I trust his ways are good and kind to us. Uh What what looks like it's, it's agonizing, it is surgery in the hands of the greatest surgeon to heal us. I believe that with all of my heart.
0: When I hear you say that, I think to myself, open me up, like open me up. Like that's do the work on me, Lord. Do, do the, work, the work, on me. work
1: on me. Because I might think that's too painful to go that way. But I don't have, as I say in the book, um, hope is a poverty of imagination. And I may not have an imagination for what healing would look like on the other side of this surgery. So Lord, I open me up. Do the surgery you need, do with me what. Your way, not my way, be done because I know that your way will lead to healing that is beyond my imagination. Mm. And I look at my where we are now, I'm like, my goodness, I didn't have an imagination yeah. for this way at all. And he was there the whole time. And I think that's the line over and over and over in the book is, um, here, I'm right here. Yeah. Think, he's the God who's with us, but we still thinking, well, he's a long ways off. No, no, he's the God who's here, right here.
0: Yeah. And thank you so much for for writing this. Um, it is going to be a milestone for so many people. I have certain books in my life that I remember where I was when I read it and it, it met me right where I was. And I, I'm very, very confident that, that God's going to use uh, the journey that you went through and your family and Daryl um, and Shiloh and the whole thing. And he's just going to meet people right where they are with your story.
1: I hope, I hope, Jamie, that Waymaker really is about handing people in the bottle of the pit. Handing people out in the wilderness and their deserts, it's handing them a compass. It is. It is. Handing them a sacred compass to find the way back into the way himself, Mm -hmm. who is always the way through. Mm. Have all your kids read this? Actually, Shalom has, and my brand new daughter-in-law has, Mm -hmm. and um, and my daughter-in-law said, "Oh my goodness, I can't put this down. I need to keep reading. Is it okay if I just read right through to the end?" And Shalom, actually, she started to, it was a manuscript, she started to star in the margin. She goes, Mama, I just want to underline, I want to underline. And then she's, she was reading and she jumped up and down and she said in the living room, she said, this is the book that I've always wanted to read and I'm so glad you're the one who wrote it, Mama. Because she said, I read books and they tell me what to do, but nobody shows me in the story how to actually do it. And this is actually a story that shows me how you pull skin on the theology, Mama what a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. I'm like, okay, we're done. As long as it worked
0: for Shalom. <laughs> that is the, the your audience. You have, you have narrowed it down to who you want this to actually be, <laughs> but it is true. And what a blessing. And I'd love to hear from you. What are you reading these days? Oh, right now I am. Um, actually
1: I'm writing, I'm reading for I have so much reading to do for uh, Wheaton. <laughs> I am reading a lot right now on spiritual disciplines and the stages of our growth in Christ. Right now, I'm taking a, my master's course at Wheaton is on personal development. Okay. So I am reading when it's it's called it's something the journey the search of the sea and I'm going to get it wrong. Um, but it really is about how do you have the spiritual disciplines to take you from one stage to the next stage? And we just were studying about there are boundary. Um, phases in our journey with the Lord, where we look, where it feels like um, everything is going wrong. But that boundary phase is where He's moving you from one phase of your life mm. to another phase of your life. So it's, it's about um, opening my eyes up to where where am I leaving one stage? That's the boundary, and He's actually moving me into a new stage. So I am actually, Jamie, <laughs> I am writing my comprehensive exams for my masters at Wheaton the week of Holy Week, so I'll be on holy ground. So I have to study all of the books that I read for the last four years of my master's. So it's oh, so, my. Many, so oh. many good, good books, but I've been really excited to read. Actually, Jenny Allen's Find Your People Everywhere I Go. People are like, I am so lonely and yeah. healing happens in community. There's a book that everybody needs to go ahead and pick yeah. up. So That one is sitting out on the table right now. I've read it. I could attest. It's very, very good. See, there you go. <clears throat> Woo, Jenny. Yep. yep. Way to go, Jenny. Well, to find our way through, we're going to have to find people to be companions with us on the way.
0: Yeah. And that can be so scary because again, oh, the cruciform opening up yeah. and letting people yeah. in. Like we, we say it like it's something trite and easy, but come on, we know. I mean,
1: Jamie, we're in we we community. Know. <laughs> we know it's absolutely terrifying. But if you can take that first step that and it feels terrifying to live cruciform into that vulnerability, it leads you to intimacy and you can trust Everybody's been there. You're not the only one
0: that's alone. Yeah. And you have I been there I'm, for me. I mean, you have been uh, there for me. You have been there for me. I think that, I think I, I we're out of time here, but I, I would like to have a deeper discussion with, with somebody one time about, the longer I do this job that I have and a job I could have never right. foreseen a job I could have never imagined, like see, being an imagination of- <laughs> the ways, crazy ways of God. Yeah. But being in front of people and having people read things and people listen, like I, the more I do this and the more I have intimate relationships with this people that are doing the same thing I'm doing, yeah, the more I see that I'm afraid that this, um, the internet has opened up so many doors. The fact that you and I can talk right now, and then we can do a little editing and put it out to the world and everyone can listen to it. So everyone hears Anne and Jamie talking. It's like Anne yeah. and Jamie, Anne and Jamie. But I feel like the disservice that happens is that there's these people who everyone can hear, but people start to believe that they don't have mm, right. this yes. suffering, this hard life. And it's, and it's, I, this is, again, I just opened up a, a can of worms that I'm dealt, I'm thinking about in my own life of just like, we're talking about community and you and I have been community. And I just want everyone to find their people. So they don't believe the lie that everyone's put together. And they're the only one that's broken.
1: Exactly that. And that is going to the intentionality that we need to have a sacred way of life every day. That's that private. You're also going to have to have the same intentionality about living cruciform and reaching out to other people, whether it's, and you know what? You don't have to find a dozen people. You right. One person. And if you reach one direction and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Be gentle with yourself. Give yourself a bit of time to heal and reach out in another don't stop. You have to keep living cruciform and reaching out to God and towards one other person that you get to open up your heart, open up your heart to somebody who just says, there's no shame. Mm. You are not alone. And I'm going to give you, I believe that real change happens with witness. I'm the God who is with you and witness. I'm the God who sees you. So find one person who can give you witness and witness today and become a companion with you on the way. We can't, none of us get to be Lone Rangers. We don't get to go on the way alone.
0: You, you, or you won't survive. I mean, that, that's just the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. You
1: end up, for me, I ended up at the bottom of a pit when I didn't let anybody into the lies that were happening in my own head. And I kept turning in ways that I thought I could take care of myself. And it ended in disaster. And its on, you're only going to change the trajectory of your life when you open up your mouth and start to speak the lies out loud.
0: Mm. And I love you dearly. And I am so grateful for you You guys. Anne's book came out um, about half a month ago, March 15th, finding the way to the life you've always dreamed of. It's called Waymaker. And um, I'm so grateful for you joining me. I'm so thankful this book. I'm grateful for your life. I'm grateful for the way you teach us to live a cruciform life. And so thank you, Anne Voskamp.
1: Thank you, Jamie Ivey, for being a voice that points us towards the way himself again and again and again.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're gonna wanna go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy-Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivy. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.